here to give you a first-hand glimpse into the future of Canadian business. It's Rivers Corbett on the Startup Canada podcast. Welcome to the Startup Canada podcast, a show serving Canada's entrepreneurship community. On this show, we connect you with the most innovative and entrepreneurial movers, shakers, and change makers across Canada. With day-in-the-life stories and in-their-shoes experiences, we dive into the true grit of running startup and scale-up companies and those driving the entrepreneurial movement. The Startup Canada podcast show is a production of Startup Canada, the national rallying community for Canada's 2.3 million entrepreneurs. If you are a regular show listener, welcome back. If you're new to the program, hey, don't forget to subscribe to the show on iTunes and Google Play Music and visit startupcan.ca to connect with both your local startup community and to join Startup Canada to access training, resources, and a peer network to grow your success. I'm Rivers Corbett and entrepreneurship is part of my DNA. Whether it's building my own companies or helping other entrepreneurs build theirs, this is my lane. Want to connect after the podcast? You can find me at www.meetrivers.com. So ladies and gentlemen, we're about to dive into the legal world with an amazing guest today. Just so, so fortunate and thrilled to have Malcolm McKillop on the show today. Malcolm is a founding member and primary partner at Shields O'Donnell McKillop. He is a successful trial lawyer, a law professor, a professional speaker, and hey, he's not busy enough. He's also an author. Malcolm is certified by the Law Society of Upper Canada as a specialist in civil litigation and has been ranked by Lexpert as one of the top leading 500 lawyers in Canada. Malcolm has also achieved the highest peer rating by Martindale Hubble and was awarded the 2016 Randall Eklund Mentorship Award. He has authored a number of acclaimed texts in employment law and has published columns in the Globe and Mail and the Toronto Star. He was also awarded the Queen Elizabeth Medal for Philanthropy Abroad by the Governor General of Canada. In today's podcast, we're going to talk to Malcolm about the basics of hiring employees and building a positive and productive workforce for a small company and including legal pitfalls to avoid. You want to grab your pen and paper. Welcome to the show, Malcolm. Thank you very much. It's good to be here. Yeah, well, look, uh, our listeners are, you know, they've got a very short attention span. And so I would like you to kind of share with us is that when we're done chatting after about the next 30, 35 minutes, what are you hoping that they take away from our conversations, my friend? Well, I think the... um um, over the years, uh, I have dealt with large companies and I have dealt with startups and both, uh, both, um, entities have, um, a challenge in terms of getting the right people to work in their business. And the consequences, uh, if you get it wrong, are as serious for a startup as they are for, um, a large multinational, uh, public company. Um, employees can be your, your strongest asset. They can be, um, some of the more devastating causes of, of, um, uh, of uh, consequences 
that can really hurt your business if you um, if you do things wrong. So today, what I'm really hoping, Rivers, is that um, I can um, help your listeners understand the importance of hiring the right people um, and um, learning how the importance of learning how to uh, manage a workforce um, that is continuously changing. Um, yes. uh, how important it is to um, have some process in place around hiring because startups, uh, as you know, uh, they're moving fast. Uh, the speed is is at a high uh, level. From they're working long hours, and um, it, sometimes they don't have the knowledge or the time or the resources um, to really get proper structure in place around hiring. And these days, there are so many um, uh, employment lawyers out there to help employees who think that they have a grievance. Um, you need to protect yourself in advance. So um, I'm hoping uh, today's discussion with you can uh, can better prepare um, your entrepreneurs to understand um, that creating a culture is very important for sure. Yes. Um, having it having a company that has your um, creative aspects to it uh, is important um, but it is very important um, to hire the right people and hopefully uh, you and I will talk about some of the things to uh, watch out for and how you do create a great culture and um, so that's kind of where I'm I'm starting today. Awesome, sir. Well, hire slow and fire fast is kind of a mantra that's pretty common in the world, and I'm sure it's one that uh, that uh, you you recommend as part of your uh, strategies in, in in hiring and firing. Um, how how does even someone begin the process of navigating? the hiring and the firing what what's kind of the strategic approach that they need to take high level because it's probably not a thing that a lot of startups even think about getting going forward but they need to so let me tell you what not to do if okay. you're at, you're you're at a bar one night and you meet somebody that you think would be a great employee and you've had several drinks do not offer them a job at the uh, on the spot. <laughs> I love it. Don't so do it. So many people do it. <laughs> Don't do it. And and um, you know what you should do if you meet somebody that you think uh, could potentially fit within your company, um, then invite them back for an interview. And yes. you know there there has to be some process to this because um, what I have seen repeatedly by uh, with startup clients is that they tend to be so informal uh, in terms of their hiring process that that yeah. literally they will they'll hire somebody on a streetcar or a bus or on the street and they'll make quick decisions because that's how they operate that's the that's how they've been successful for the most part but um, hiring you know. It, it takes a bit of time. Um, expose them to other people in your organization. Um, two or three interviews is not too much to ask for because engaging somebody in your organization, one person can be a disruptor. One right. person can cost you a lot of money if they litigate or make un, um, you know unjustified claims. And 
So you need to, the best you can during an interview process is to have a sense of who you're hiring. What kind of person uh, are you hiring? Not just what's on the resume, because people, you know, there's going to be a lot of people with a lot of great things on their resume. But emotional intelligence is almost as important as uh, work experience and, and, and uh, IQ. And make sure that there's going to be a fit with your culture. Um, as an example, if you hire somebody that is used to structure, they, they've worked for IBM for five years, and all of a sudden they, they decide they want to go out and work for a startup. Yes. But what, what they're used to is structure, and, and they're used to um, for, uh, formality. They're used to having a lot of people around them and, and um, in some cases a lot of people to support them. They're used to having – Number of people making uh, having to weigh in before a decision is made. They're not quick um, to respond to an issue. Um, they can't pivot from one case to another case, or you know, uh, or, an, or another issue. And so, are they really going to fit with you? And so, their resume may be wonderful. You may be really happy to think that, gee, I just nabs somebody from a really great company, and this is going to be a great person. But the way they operate, the way they function, may be entirely different. Than, than than what you want as a start as a uh, as a startup and and the culture so that's an example of you know sometimes uh, what you see on paper um, uh, is going to be different than um, uh, than what you really need maybe on uh, as a startup I I love to use Malcolm the analogy that uh, that business is a sport and I think what you're saying right then and there if they aren't playing at this at the level of the sport that you're playing at then you should reconsider whether or not they're going to be able to make it on the team in the first place. Well, you know, you use that analogy. Um, you know, uh, Phil Kessel, people great great hockey player and yep. uh, and pe people some people loved him, some people hated him, but there's no doubt that he was a disruptor in uh, on the team and right. um, um, and you know it, that's pure, pure fit and 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 it's a it's a, a quality or a character that entrepreneurs uh, need to develop is that they can really see through it and see what kind of person they want in the dressing room right they want what kind of person mm, exactly do, what kind of person do they want playing on the team because yeah. one person who has a bad attitude or has disrespect, um, doesn't know how to get along with people, can just ruin a good culture. And then you're stuck with trying to, to get rid of them. So yeah. um, it, it is – and, you know, one uh, – when I've done uh, hiring and, you know, you're going through 15 candidates – and, you know, you kind of – it just – your eyes glaze over because they're all so incredibly talented. And you're trying to look for things that, that you know, how does that – do they get – do they have a sense of humor? Do, or do they have a heart – you know, a work ethic? Do they need formality or can they work independently? It's pretty tough to make those conclusions after half an hour or an hour with somebody. Totally. Totally. But you can be totally wrong. I mean, I, I've been yeah. totally wrong. And and then you realize, how how did I ever come to that conclusion? So let's 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 dig into the elephant in the room on the firing side. And I still want to talk about the positive side, the hiring and the, and the work practices. So you so you really don't end up having to do that uh, much at all. Uh, what what are some of the what are some of the things that regarding the locality that that uh, our our listeners need to know about firing or letting go um, employees? Um, at a, sorry, at a startup. 
Yeah, the worst uh, example I can give you of that is a startup that I represent that was very successful. Uh, it was really a scale up, and it had to get rid of one of its founders. Oh, and and it's heart it's heart wrenching, right? Um, mm-hmm. Because you know it wasn't personal; it was business, right? And, and um, entrepreneurs need to um, uh, mature. Uh, in how they approach business uh, as their business grows, as it becomes more complex, as it is um, scaling up, um, and how they portray themselves to the outside world and so on. Um, And so uh, getting rid of a founder is very difficult. And, you know, obviously it's not as bad when you have somebody uh, further down the the chain, but it is a, um, the same issues uh, can uh, apply in terms of, uh, especially if you're a small shop and you're growing, but then you have to take somebody out of the lineup and uh, Mm. um, uh, other people are impacted by that. Um, uh, There's going to be a hole that needs to be filled maybe. And, and people start wondering whether, why the person was terminated. Uh, These days, if, if a company um, uh, just fires somebody quickly without thought, without reason, um, and it's not handled properly, they're, they fire somebody on their birthday, or they fire somebody while uh, you know they're at their parents' funeral. Um, the the workers around you will feel like you you don't know how to run a business. You don't care about them, even though you didn't even do anything to them. They'll look at what you're doing to the, their coworkers, and and they'll they'll uh, show their disapproval with their feet. They'll go look for another job. And so um, firing uh, somebody is very difficult, and there are a lot of issues. There are a lot of restrictions on employers uh, on when and how to fire somebody. So, you, you know, my advice to you is uh, find a partner, uh, an employment lawyer that you trust, that you want to work with, and and have that phone call before you and, – and disclose all the facts and make sure that you're on legal grounds because if somebody um, – as a, as a um, – startup one of the challenges you're going to have if you employ somebody and they go off on a on a leave uh, a sick leave or uh, any other type of legal absence and you need them to do the work but they're not around and you know there are significant uh, legal obligations in a case like this. And if you terminate somebody because they just can't show up for work and you need somebody to do work and because you're small, you're going to face uh, one or more complaints, uh, legal complaints that you're going to have to deal with. So my my honest and most candid response to your question is that realize that hiring and firing in particular can really be um, uh, difficult and challenging. And you, you don't expect yourself to know all the rules and the laws around employment law. Um, and just uh, try to find a partner um, that is a good fit with your organization so you can depend on them and, and they can grow with you as an organization and they can help you where you need uh, help. And it's usually the last thing you want to do is make a mistake and then call a lawyer. You should uh, you should really get the advice, which can only be like five, 10, 15 minutes. But before you do something, um, because I have seen cases where um, lawsuits are very, uh, um, very significant and the companies are struggling. They're they're uh, they're struggling. They're struggling for financing. 
they don't have a lot of cash on hand. Um, they are out trying to convince people to invest in their business. And the last thing you want is a high profile uh, public litigation. So, so I'm an entrepreneur, you're an entrepreneur, and I'm listening to what you're saying and it's, and it's all valid advice. And it seems like it, when my question comes up, I'll just say it bluntly. Okay. Well, what, what, are my rights as a startup employer from the beginning? What am I, what am I, what, what can I go into the game knowing these are my rights? You know, the basics of the basics, top three, if I could say that. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, yep. it, it, but I will uh, disappoint you a bit by telling you the rights, <laughs> the rights of an employee are far greater than the employer. That's all right. I just want one uh, right at this right. point. <laughs> yeah. No, the, I can give you one is that you have a right to terminate any employee uh, for cause, which is misconduct, uh, which is recognized by the law. So usually theft, uh, serious dishonesty, failing to show up for work without valid reason. Um, uh, misappropriation of confidential information, things like that. You can protect your business for sure. Um, but there's a way of doing it, but that you do have uh, um, an inherent right as an employer to terminate somebody uh, for misconduct. Um, you also have a right to terminate an employee at any, at any time without misconduct by just simply providing them uh, notice of termination or pay in lieu of notice. So even if somebody hasn't done something wrong, um, they haven't um, misconducted themselves in any way, but you uh, realize that they're not going to be a fit. You can terminate the relationship. We do not have a system where you're giving somebody uh, employment for life. There are no guarantees. Um, the only obligation is to provide notice or pay in lieu of notice, provide that you're not violating any other law like human rights or something. So those are, are, are certainly um, proper. And, the, and I guess the third most general one is in terms of the, the conditions of the work environment, the terms of work, these are all set and determined um, by the employer. The scheduling of hours. Um, uh, the decision of how many people you need to work at what hours, the allocation of work. These are things that um, that the employer determines. And, um, you know, those, those are the primary uh, rights that an employer has. The, the decision to, uh, to deal with uh, or uh, to where to conduct your business and how to conduct your business generally are within the jurisdiction of uh, an employer. Yeah, well, I, I I appreciate you giving that insight because we want to we we've got to be able to breathe when we're ultimately making these decisions on uh, on on hiring and firing, and that gives us a little bit of wiggle room anyway. That there is a potential for us to have something on our side, um, I, but ultimately this is about a productive workforce. This isn't this is about creating uh, practices that that bring in the right people that uh, ultimately create a positive work environment that retains staff. You've, You've done a pretty good job with your organization in doing that. Can you talk to us about some of the best practices that you've done to create that positive work environment that retains staff? So our firm has been around 20 years in the current um, setup. It's been around 10 years and the last 10 years have been awesome uh, decade of, of, of positioning our firm and hiring the right people. Um, but I, I can tell you that 
what I am probably the most proud of is that um, we have uh, assistants, our admin staff that work with us that have been here for over 25 years. Like they have relationships with us for uh, when we were at a different firm before we did our own startup and they followed us and they've been here. And, you know, having the people around you that support you every day is critical. Like you need, you can't do it by yourself. And when I talk about the professional help I have, the lawyers, um, we have people now that are, are coming up, uh, one person or oh, 10 years have been working with me. Other ones are now are in their sixth and seventh year. And, you know, it creates continuity. Um, it, it, it um, the people in the organization are what can make your organization great. And you cannot do it all by yourself. And importantly, each of these people bring their own skill set. I think about how we developed our website and so on. We didn't have a big budget or any budget to be candid. We had right. no, no budget, zero budget. Um, so, so our young lawyers are working with a startup uh, website designer. And, yes. and we redid the whole website. But our young lawyers spent a lot of energy and time working with the outside cool. contractor and you know a, a, a website i you know i started with the idea why do we need a website what is yeah. a website <laughs> yeah exactly how, how do i get to a website and and uh, uh these young guys uh, who are you know just recently out of law school who are very tech savvy um said we need a website we need to put ourselves online in a better way and and they did they did this and we're on twitter and 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 you know whatever twitter is and um you know and <laughs> like like seriously like they they bring the knowledge uh of the technology and how to reach people we're doing blogs like 10 years ago our firm never did that, and and uh, um, and it's because you're bringing people with um, that are uh, up to date in terms of technology and communication uh, and what they bring to the table. And honestly, um, a productive workforce uh, for me means uh, that you have people who understand what your mission is, what what uh, your company is trying to do, the excitement, they exhibit excitement to work with you uh, as an entrepreneur and they see the vision, they, they want to be part of something. And so, um, you know, the idea that um, that um, it's not just strictly about how many hours they work. It's about that they, you know, I think for us anyway, it has been that they can see the vision that we'll we want to practice the best law, high caliber law. We want to attract the best clients, not size, but the best people to work with. And that's what makes it interesting. And so a productive workforce has got to be a workforce that's happy, that feels respected by the owners, um, that has tolerance, that has flexibility, that is not autocratic. 
and demeaning. And so it's important, right? The, the, the people piece um, and, and how you treat people is, is critical in terms of making them productive and having people come in on a Saturday or Sunday. Be, you, don't have, you don't ask them to come in. They, they come in because they, they got something to do. They, right. they, you know, and, um, and my view is you'll fail as a small business unless you have help and that you have um, a strong support system. Uh, within your organization, um, that people work independently and they don't see it as a job and just punching a clock. Yeah, I look. I think that that's absolutely uh, amazing that we're having this conversation with a man that runs a law firm because that from the outside that doesn't happen. You know, it's 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 the TV model, right? That uh, that happens. And so, one, you have a more engaged clientele. How do you, uh, sorry, uh, uh, team uh, through these strategies and and obviously tactics to, to execute those strategies? Tell us about your customers that are receiving the benefit from that. And yeah, it's hard work. I come in on Saturdays and so on. But can you give us some examples of what you're hearing back from your customers because of this? Because of this engagement? Well, for, for sure, you know, like the best example I can give you is my, my law clerk who's been with me 15 years, Adela. Um, all of my, my clients know her by name. And, yes. and, and you know, she does um, a lot of the marketing. She does the fundraising with me. And she has built up uh, such a relationship uh, with people. She knows everybody by first name. She knows that they're kids. Um, she communicates politely and quickly with them. Um, and, you know, and I can say the same thing about my associates as I say, you know, um, respond, don't act like a lawyer, don't wait, um, uh, engage with the people that are um, con- you're coming into contact with and, um, uh, you know, uh, be respectful of their time, um, respond quickly, be polite. Um, and, you know, like, and, and then it starts with the receptionist. We've had a receptionist with us yes. for over, over 20 years yeah. and, and you know she is she is the face of our organization and and um, uh, people connect with her when when they walk in the door and they have a certain feeling mm-hmm. um, and so it's it's about how um, your staff is communicating because you know I can sit in my office and do legal work and talk to my clients but if my staff don't care about my clients and the people that are contacting my firm whether they're their clients or not anybody that contacts my firm. Um, if they're being disrespectful to them um, and I don't see it or hear it, they're doing more damage to my f- firm than any, you know, than anything, right? And so you, you got to be on the same page on this. And, um, you know, it, it is a, um, um, I can't emphasize enough how it's got to be a team approach. You cannot do it yourself. You will kill yourself trying. And, and you have to have that right person in the right position, especially if, if there's, um, they're engaging with uh, outside um, people whether customers, suppliers, uh, people in the industry, right? Yeah, I totally get that. And I and you know, it's a, a couple interesting things come out of that. And and I'm going to tell you a story from my world with a with a, a, a legal company that I know wouldn't never have happened in your organization. But I remember I had a meeting with the uh, with one of the the junior people on the staff, and she calls me up. She says, "I'm sorry, I can't meet with you. One of my part one of the partners wants to meet with me." Yeah. And I went, "Really? 
There really? Go. There yeah. you go. Like, like, so what, what, what is wrong with that communication? Well, yeah. it doesn't show any respect for your time. It yeah. doesn't. Uh, it, 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 she's got something mixed up there because uh, actually customers come first uh, before partners or before other associates. Um, so it sends out a message that, you know, you're, you're not the priority. Um, totally. And, and uh, they don't really want your business. And and it's you know it's, it's such a terrible message and yeah it really is and, and, it, and it's and it's and, it, and and guess what I've told that story to zillions of amounts of people I've told the firm name of that to that um, and uh, of course they never continue to get my business after that it just it was over totally oh, over and you know one. you know when I'm dealing with startups I treat them exactly the same way I would treat IBM or yes. or GM or a bank or and you know why because one they deserve respect um, because most of them, any startup is, um, you know, they're, they're taking a lot of risks. They have lots of initiative. They're not just walking in for an easy job. So it's tough enough. They need support. Yes. They don't need judgment from a, a service provider. And But from a pure monetary point of view, a pure business point of view, um, I've seen a lot of startups uh, knock the lights out. Um, they have a tough few years. There's no question about that. But then they grow. Then mm. they add. I have one startup who has now 15, 1,500 employees. Just three, four years ago, they had about a hundred. Wow. Wow. That, that's got to be thrilling for you to oh. be part of that journey with them. It's incredible. It's absolutely incredible. And um, you know, the company's a family company. Yes, and and it's now uh, doing business um, in the U.S. across Canada. It's got big contracts. It's growing its business, and and it's exciting, right? And um, um, you know, it, it, it's it, for any provider, and this applies obviously to startups. If you're providing uh, help or support to a small company, and it works, uh, it's very circular, right? Is that yes. uh, don't look at the person where they are now. Look at where they're going to be. Right. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I totally agree with and that. That attitude, and you know, that's the key, isn't it, Malcolm? It the is. attitude that where are they it going, is. and how can I help them along the way? It is. I, I want to get back to uh, a little bit of a legal conversation, and uh, I, I love I love examples. I love stories, and and what we learn from them. Can you tell our listeners about a genuine situation that you encountered? that had unavo- unavoidable legal pitfalls and what you learned from it or your team learned from it? Well, I can tell you that um, the lack of supervision sometimes um, can come back and bite you. Because I, I once had a lawyer a deal with a very important client of mine that I had for 10 years and yes. and from California. And I would – I had a strong relationship with everybody there. I cared about their business. I had young lawyers working to support them. And I had one lawyer – give them advice that was really, I thought, quite bad advice. But that young lawyer didn't come and tell me about it. When the client kind of questioned it and shook their head, Mm. um, she obviously didn't care enough or didn't pick it up. She was trying to tell them to do something that they weren't comfortable with. Right. And um, so, and they never picked up the phone to tell me. Mm. They, They just walked out. And this was yeah. a customer that has $4 billion in revenues worldwide. 
Wow. wow. And a company I had a relationship uh, with for at least 10 years, if not, and my, my senior partner before me had 10 year relationship and they walked with their feet because they felt disrespected because I don't think that not only the quality of the, of the advice that they questioned, but how it was dealt with. Right. And so the lesson for me, and I and I tell my young lawyers here, um, if you're not sure about the advice, you need to tell me and have a talk with me. If you're not sure that the client's getting it or understanding it or wants it, you need to get a hold of me. And mm. you know, so the supervision uh, of young people, uh, in particular, is very important. If you're dealing with external customers, which most of your startups would. I take it yes. um, that you need to manage that relationship um, and you need to understand it. You can't fully delegate and you need to know that you need to advise your, your staff that you want to be part of important discussions with customers or clients. Um, the, um, the other thing I have learned is uh, through through clients as well as um, um, you know events uh, at for, at our firm and other firms uh, is that it's very important um, to be careful about social events. Like I, uh, the, the, for years, people uh, I think at companies uh, when they get to Christmas parties or other parties, uh, I, I've done a lot of work in the advertising business, and there are certain businesses for sure, uh, brokerage businesses that they tend to drink a lot when they party, right? And um, booze and business don't mat, uh, you know, fit together very well, mm-hmm. and there is so much exposure these days. In terms of um, of liability uh, for um, all kinds of of problems that can arise as a result of alcohol or drug use, um, so you know, as your company grows and you want to show appreciation for the hard work, you need to make sure that you're providing a safe environment. Mm-hmm. Um, because um, it, it doesn't matter you're a startup. It doesn't matter how cool you are. Maybe you have the, a really cool startup. Maybe you're the coolest business that has hit Canada in 10 years. It doesn't matter. Um, alcohol, drug use, um, not protecting uh, your employees while they're attending a company function are really potentially disastrous. And so um, I think, you know, those are two examples that that I have seen or dealt with. And it's really important um, uh, to um, uh, to be cautious about that, because um, alcohol um, sponsored uh, events by a company uh, that turns out bad um, is or potentially bad. It could be devastating, right? you know, and the example I I've seen it with some of my, uh, of my, um, clients that cases that I get involved in that, uh, you know, employees after a party, you know, are walking down the street, um, a public street with no shoes on and they're drunk at, at nighttime. Like they get hit by a car. 
um, or, you know, anything else that could happen. Like it's just uh, so it's really important for your leaders here that are listening to this uh, uh, podcast today um, to make sure that you act like a leader, that you protect your staff uh, at all times. And it's okay to have fun, um, but you, you, you need to make sure that it's contained and controlled within your environment that you're responsible for. And even if you're not in the office and you're, you're hosting an event offsite, you're, st- you're still responsible. Yes. You know, Malcolm, what I've enjoyed about this conversation is that you haven't bit on legalese on me, and I love that. You have kept this conversation high-level, simple, but very impactful, and sometimes impactful with a lesson in the obvious that we sometimes forget is so obvious, like look after these people. They are your family, after all, and that's how you'd look after your family. You wouldn't have your son or daughter walking down the street with their socked feet on after a Christmas party. I know you're right, and a lot of this stuff, what I do, the employment law, stuff is is a lot of it is practical common sense about how you tr- how you treat people yes. and then there's there's thousands and thousands of of court decided cases but your audience wants to uh, to hear the practical advice about um things to be aware of and 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 um, mm-hmm. um, and certainly how to deal with uh, potential issues that come up. And uh, a lot of it is around uh, common sense and treating people the way you'd want to be treated, um, uh, making sure that you deal with a disruptor or somebody who is really not engaged sooner than later or they're going to, re- you know, they're going to impact your culture. Uh, and yes. um, these are things I've learned over 30 years in the business. And it is, uh, <laughs> uh, it's important. It's the small things that matter, right? Yeah, it is right. And obviously, they're ones that you have, have seen consistently. So again, I appreciate that. I, I want to give you the last word, my friend. Um, you uh, you had a quest at the beginning of this conversation, which was to uh, create an impact of, of information and thought process. Um, is there anything else that, um, that we haven't talked about that you think is important for our audience? As you've noticed, they're all entrepreneurs. They're coast to coast to coast. Uh, so what uh, what else would you suggest we need to know? Uh, I would close with this is that uh, what I've seen over the last 20 years with entrepreneurs, uh, uh, startups, scale ups that I've dealt with is that everything moves very, very quickly. Um, they're, 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 uh, they are, um, sometimes they are uh, two steps ahead of everything else. And, um, and it's a bit of chaos. Sometimes it's a bit of managed chaos. And I think, I think it's important to make sure that you have the right, um, the right structure in place, the right policies. Um, um, make sure who your key people are um, that you need as, at the very least. Um, be clear with what people are supposed to do, what's expected of them. Even in this chaos, you need to have a little bit of structure. Um, and you need to have some basic policies in place. Um, just so that people understand them um, and what's expected. Um, 
and and that is a challenge for a lot of startups. Be they don't ha- they don't have the money, mm-hmm. they don't have the support, um, they don't have the knowledge of what they really need. They they are focused mm-hmm. on on their business, starting their business, and uh, um, it is um, uh, so. It's really important that um, you remember that even in all this chaos, you just need to have a bit of structure. Yeah, and it's and it's also it's sexy to be freewheeling. It is. That's the image. It is. No, I couldn't in, say no. that better. That, that's exactly. <laughs> I'm glad you said that, but. But that's exactly right. It, it is, um, and you want to think it's different, whatever. But uh, you know, you, you get one bad claim, um, it, it can um, yeah. it can really uh, slow things down, right? Yeah, I I'd, I'd, I'd call it yeah. derail. <laughs> not yeah, derail is, is a very um, good word. Uh, uh, Malcolm, I, um, I, I'm as I'm reflecting on this conversation. I actually was going to give you the last word. No, I'm going to take the last word. <laughs> but I, you should look at the, starting your own podcast show, my friend. I, uh, I think you'd be very, very good at it uh, for all the reasons that have expressed in the last 35 minutes. You're. Uh well, that's very that's very kind of you. But why would I do that? Because you've already got the market cornered. And and and, and, and I'm right. your humble servant. I know my I know my place in life, and and I'm happy to participate uh, in your podcast anytime because uh, you've well, got a great you. thing it going is here. A team effort too, and the culture's good with Startup Canada. And uh, and thank you for that invite. We will be connecting back with you. Oprah's got her Dr. Phil. Now we have our uh, Mr. McCullough. Says, <laughs> keep being well, my friend. We'll be in touch. Thank you. Thanks very much. Thank you for joining us this week on the Startup Canada podcast, a show dedicated to unlocking the entrepreneurial potential of every entrepreneur with access to inspiring stories and tangible lessons to help you run your business. Want access to resources and support to grow your business? Visit startupcan.ca for the latest startup community news and upcoming events like our popular hashtag Startup Chats on Twitter every Wednesday and Friday at 12 p.m. Eastern. Till next week. I'm Rivers Corbett leaving you with a sneak peek of next week's episode. It's a live show. So today we're at the Fireside Conference and uh, my guests today in the Startup Canada podcast show are the two guys that started this whole gig. Yeah, so then uh, we started after we were both practicing lawyers, we started crossing paths in in different things that were not in the legal world. So we were seeing each other at tech events. We were seeing each other at entrepreneurship events, at startup events. And that's when we started talking because we realized we had these joined interests. And at first we were actually a little confused. You know, what are you doing here? What are you Mm. doing at this event that you probably on the surface as a lawyer don't seem to belong at? So weird. Yeah. And that's where the conversation started. And, and then that conversation led to sharing, to sharing some of the frustrations that we had collectively about the typical conference in a concrete building somewhere downtown right. with uh, name tags yeah. and your one drink ticket terrible and your food. terrible and terrible food, food yeah. and your one hour to exchange business cards. You have nobody attend. <laughs> yeah. And and listen, there's amazing. There are amazing events and conferences in cities and concrete buildings. But we we really strongly desire to do something different. And part of that came from this connection that Stephen has always had to this amazing place. Just there's, you know, the basis of why we built this disconnection from technology, bringing people together, um, allowing people to experience things without having to worry about accommodations, food, all these things. Um, all of those are still ringing true and. 
and, and so true to our values. Um, we've grown way bigger and way better than I ever would have imagined. Right. Um, we're at a point now where our our fireside alumni network and, and people we work with and, and you know uh, interact with every day is just growing bigger and stronger and we're so proud of that and um, I never could have imagined that mm. you know three years in we would we would have the traction that we have and it's a labor of love for both of us and and uh, that that's a, definitely a surprise right. you know you always want to be optimistic when you start something but like there always is that nugget in the you know back of your mind thinking yeah. is this insane and in many cases it is still insane.